following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Good morning, Canyon Ridge. Hey, Gary Emery here. I was actually scheduled to be in person with you this Sunday, uh, Matt Venable and Myself and others were kind of working on this schedule. I was going to be there with you today. So I'm with you, but now we're in this unique uh, situation that we've been walking through for several weeks. And first, I just want to commend you for your faithfulness. You know, I, I know this thing kind of hit uh, up in Washington State and not too far from you guys first. And just the way you've worked together and weathered through some of the anxiety and concern. Uh, Joniel and I have been praying for all of you. Uh, we also know that uh, right now all of us uh, are dealing with issues related to the economy and finances and people are concerned about, will I have a job or will my business stay open? And you know, this is one of those times when, when our faith really gets tested and can really deepen. Our roots can go down deeper in the soil of God's Word and into the soil of just, we're going to walk this out with the Lord. Um, and we're all in this thing. And, and you know, uh, for the last six months, Joniel and I have been walking through kind of another uh, faith test moment when I became completely blind uh, following a missions trip in October. And uh, so I've been learning how to f do life in a blind way. It's, it's uh, challenging, kind of funny at times, all the crazy things that happen, but we're figuring this out and God's helping us. And so appreciative of many of you who have reached out to us and been praying for us. But through all this, we have found that, that God is working to deepen our faith. You know, the Bible says that to every person is given a measure of faith. Now, what we do with that really is up to us, and that's how we grow. And last Sunday, we celebrated Easter and that incredible story of the resurrection. And then after that, there's all these different moments in Scripture where Jesus comes sometimes and speaks to a group or sometimes to an individual. And we have one of those kinds of stories for a man named Thomas that really was struggling with his faith during a difficult time. So we're going to read together from John chapter 20, beginning with verse 24. So get your Bibles out and we're going to dive in and talk about how to build a deeper faith for the difficult days. Let's, do, let's dive in. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, I love that passage, but I've always felt that Thomas gets kind of a bad rap from us, from us church people, you know, because we always refer to Thomas as, right, doubting Thomas. 
But really, Thomas was a believer. I mean, Thomas was one of those 12 that, that left everything behind to follow Jesus. I mean, he, think of it. He, he, he saw the miracles. He, he heard the teaching. He literally lived with Jesus. They were kind of on a three-year camp out. And uh, he had a lot of time to, to interact with Jesus. But I think Thomas was uh, a, a guy like a lot of us. He maybe maybe a little bit more analytical. You know, I think I think for me at least, I don't know how you are, but for me, both my my heart and my mind have to be convinced. And maybe Thomas was like that. And to be really fair, Thomas wasn't there in the first event when Jesus showed up in front of the 10. Now remember there were 12 disciples, uh, but then Judas was gone. And so there were 11 and Thomas wasn't there that day. So Jesus appears to the 10 and just kind of blows them away because they see him and they're all excited about it. And they come to Thomas. They say, Oh man, well, let me, let me say, let me say it the way a pastor would say it. Oh man, you should have been in church last Sunday. I mean, Jesus showed up. It was awesome. And, and you were the guy that, that missed it that day. Uh, but, but seriously, Thomas wasn't there. He didn't have the same experience in that moment that all the other disciples, and while they're all amped up about it, Thomas is still wrestling with those, those doubts and faith that are kind of mixed together a lot. And Thomas was a guy that wanted to believe, but he couldn't overcome some of the things in his own brain. So he said these words, you know, unless I can, unless I can like you, unless I can see the, the nail prints in his hands and his feet, and if I can see the scar in his side, unless I, I just, I just can't believe. It's just too difficult for me. And then Jesus shows up. And I, and I love this about Jesus. Jesus knew what was going on, obviously. And he didn't walk into the room or, and, and go to Tom and say, how could you ever doubt me? What's wrong with you? No, instead, he so lovingly and patiently comes to Thomas and he takes him right to those places that Thomas needed his own doubts to be resolved so that he could become that great man of faith that, that he ultimately came to. Extra biblical history tells us that, that Thomas was the first uh, missionary to India and had an incredible ministry and really set the gospel in, in India before he, like almost all of the other disciples, became a martyr for the faith. His faith grew deep. And today I really want to talk to us about this idea of developing a deeper faith. You know, a lot of people are like Thomas was in that moment. He said, you know, unless I can see, I can't believe. And Jesus came to him and he said these words in that moment. He said, you know, uh, blessed are you because you've seen and then believed. But how much more blessed are those who don't get to see and yet they believe? And if you think about it, he was talking about all of us. He was thinking about all of us who wouldn't have that opportunity to see Jesus face to face post resurrection. And yet we believe. So we we instead of instead of for us, it's not like seeing is believing for us. It's like believing and then seeing that's how blessed we are. So in these days, when so many of us are being tested, whether it's because we're dealing with something like a, like a, like a blindness thing, a physical blindness thing, 
or whether we're struggling with all the things that's going on in our culture right now, in our society, and the fear that has so gripped so many people, or maybe it's just something you've been walking through in your own life or in your family. Listen, there's a need for our faith to go deeper. And that's what I want to encourage you in today. I want to see if we can describe that kind of deeper faith in three ways. A closer faith, a regardless faith, and a future faith. Let's talk first about the closer faith. You know, one of the verses that's really come alive to me lately is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where Paul says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Man, I've been living in that. You know, as a kid, we used to play those little uh, blind walk games where one person would be blindfolded and we would let the other person kind of kind of lead us around or, or maybe more fun. We would we would not let, let them uh, lead us around by touch. We would try to, to direct them with our voice and tell them which way to navigate through a room. I got to tell you what, since I experienced this blindness thing, my whole life has been learning that we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. In Blind 101, they they don't first give you a seeing eye dog. A lot of people have asked me, you going to get a seeing eye dog? I, I kind of doubt it. Now, first of all, because those people have invested like $50,000 worth of training in that dog before they entrust it to a person. And given my experience with the dogs that we have now, um, I don't think they would ever trust us with a $50,000 dog. And before they teach you, and I am doing all the training on, on how to use a cane properly and how to cross streets and all that kind of stuff. So I'm learning all of that. But the first thing they teach you is what's called human to human mobility. And that's where you're, you're literally touching uh, that person. You usually have your, your hand like this around their elbow and you're walking closely behind them and they navigate through and you can have confidence because you know that they know where we're going and they're not going to lead us astray and they're going to protect me as we navigate through. And if, by the way, if, if all of a sudden we come to kind of a narrow place, the, there's a signal that, that they teach us to use so that we can realize we get to get right behind that person because we're coming through a narrow place. Because it, it, it has to be something that's done in close proximity. It doesn't work from 15 paces away. Man, if my wife is like walking with me, but she's like 20 feet in front of me, she might as well be 20 miles in front of me because I can't see her. It has to happen in close proximity. And that's exactly the way God designed us to live this life with him as our leader, as our shepherd. I love that very familiar passage of scripture. First one, I memorized the kids, Psalm 23. And in verse four of that Psalm, David, a shepherd, says about his shepherd, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know, that, uh, that term, um, the valley of the shadow of death. When David said that, he was referring to an actual place. There's a place uh, that was between Jerusalem and Jericho on the old Roman road. It kind of ran through that area. And, and in the midst of that, there was this, this place in the trail that was uh, uh, the bottom of a deep, steep, and narrow canyon. And the topography was such that that the only time that the sunlight came into that canyon was at about high noon. And that the rest of the time, the rest of the morning, the rest of the afternoon, that entire canyon was shrouded in darkness. 
So it was a shortcut. So shepherds tended to take it as they would take their sheep to market. But it was also a very dangerous place because uh, thieves would kind of hide in the shadows. And when the shepherd would walk by, they would club him from behind, knock him out or kill him and steal the sheep. So David was thinking about that place most likely when he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm this fantastic shepherd? No. Because I've got like a bigger gun? Well, maybe you have a bigger gun, but no. He said, I'm not going to be afraid, for you are with me. I want you just to stop and think about the profound depth of those words. I'm not going to be afraid because you're with me. I grew up in the 60s and uh, so really early on, you know, my, my, the, the first car I remember our parent, my parents having was a 56 Buick Special. It was kind of like a 57 Chevy, but not quite as cool. And, and uh, I had a bench seat in the front and a bench seat in the back. And so the seating arrangement was like this. It was my dad, my little brother in the front, and my mom on the other side, all in the front seat. And the back seat, it was my older sister and my next older sister on either side with me kind of scrunched up in the middle. That's how we rolled uh, six people in a, in a little car. And uh, so what, what, would, what I would do is on those really long trips uh, to be comfortable, I would, I would kind of uh, get up out of my seat and, and lay in that, that, that tray that's back by the back windshield. I just lay back in there and I fall asleep. I know that sounds crazy, but this is before seat belts, this is before car seats. And it's just what we did. It's amazing we survived, you know, but uh uh, I can remember being asleep uh, up there and there'd be a, a moment where maybe uh, dad would have to swerve a little bit fast or he did the brakes a little harder than I thought or, or something, would, something would happen. Maybe we'd hit a, hit a pothole or something and I would just be jerked awake and, and I, instinctively I would look to see if my father was behind the wheel. And if dad was behind the wheel, my little six-year-old brain thought, dad's behind the wheel, I'm fine. And I went back to sleep. I knew that if my father was with me, that is all that mattered. People, listen. If we could develop a simplicity of our faith, that it was a closer faith that said, you know, if God's with me, I'm going to be okay. That's how a relationship with, with God was designed. Listen, there's a lot of people who live, it's like they live with God, but so far away, you know. In fact, one of the descriptions of what happened just a few chapters before what we read earlier was in the time that Jesus was arrested. Uh, and then as he went through his trumped up trials and beatings, uh, the Bible says that all of the disciples deserted him. Okay, we know Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. In fact, when Peter denied three times that he knew him, if you look carefully at the verbiage of that scripture, it says that Peter was following. Peter was kind of wanting to see what was going on. So he was following, but the Bible said he was following him from afar. He was following 
from a distance. He wasn't following like this. Listen, God designed our faith to be one that we live in close proximity to him. And if our faith is going to go deeper for difficult days, it needs to start by being a closer faith. Secondly, it's a regardless faith. It's a regardless faith. You know, we live in a, a church culture, especially in the Western side of the church, where because of maybe how good things have been and how easy things have been or whatever, we have allowed our faith to become kind of a kind of a vending machine style faith. You know how a vending machine works. Used to be you throw a few quarters in, now you gotta put a couple of dollars in or your Visa card in or whatever. And you press you, your button and the item that you want drops down and you reach through and you grab it. And that's how a vending machine works. I put my, my money in, I push the button, the product falls, I grab the product, I've got it. Sadly, that's how a lot of people approach their faith in God. You could even hear it in their praying. It's like, I, you know, we're putting our, our, our prayers in, you know, we're pushing our button. We're, we're saying in Jesus name, boom, we get what we want, except when it doesn't happen like that. And then we start beating on the side of the vending machine. What's wrong with you? Come on. What's wrong? You know, it's a lot of. There's a lot of people who, who their, or their faith is really a faith in results, not a real faith in God, and certainly not a regardless faith. You know, I love the story that we read about in the Old Testament about the people of Israel, how after generations of, of walking with God and then kind of falling away from God and kind of coming back and, 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 and worshiping God and all the other false gods that were out there, after many, many warnings by prophets like Jeremiah and others, they, they, get, they get taken into exile in Babylon. And it's a very, very difficult thing because they've lost their nation state. They've, they've lost the, the beautiful city of Jerusalem and they've lost access to the temple. And, and Nebuchadnezzar pulls the, the really sharp young men into his palace, these young uh, Israelites into his palace to teach them in the way of the Babylonians so that they will actually become his guys, you know, his leaders of this Jewish state that is now under his domain. And uh, one of those guys was Daniel. You know his name very well. There's also three of Daniel's friends named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these were four young men, Daniel and his three friends, that really loved God and were committed to him and they never compromised in their life and in their walk. And there came this moment when King Nebuchadnezzar, full of himself and out of his ego, he builds this statue of himself with a head of gold and he sends a proclamation through the land that whenever they hear the music, whatever they're doing, they got to stop, drop and worship. Okay. So they got to just stop what they're doing and they got to worship him. They've got to worship. If they can see the idol, they have to turn to the idol. If they're not, whatever they're doing, they stop and they worship him. Well, that was a real problem for followers of God. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm sure Daniel, but we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down. And people saw that and they brought it to the attention 
of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he warns them sternly. He said, listen, this is your last chance. You need to either bow down and worship, or you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace that I just made seven times hotter just for you. And I love the faith of these three young men. They say, oh, king, you need to know that our God is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, you need to know we are not going to bow down ever. Folks, that is regardless faith. I think sometimes we get, we, 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 we buy the belief that, that, that if you're really powerful in your faith, you can, you can really get going in your faith and you can, you, can, you can see miracles take place. And listen, I'm a believer in miracles. I could use a great miracle. Crazy thing is right before I went blind, we prayed for different people over there and we saw God do miraculous things. And I still believe in the miraculous. But there is a faith that's deeper than just simply enjoying the benefit of a miracle. It's regardless faith. And you know the story how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down. They were thrown in the fiery furnace, and God did deliver them in that moment in an incredible way. But I want to challenge you to make sure that in these difficult times that we go through, and listen, your difficult time may be completely different than mine, all right? I'm sure it probably is. That we need to understand that, that our faith has to go deeper than just, do I get what I want? God is not some commodity that we try to buy with our prayers. Our relationship with God is a living, breathing thing that says, you know what, God, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life, whether times are good or bad. And I'm going to accept that, that in this world, as you said, Jesus, in this world, we will go through tribulation. And no matter what, I am going to walk with you. You know, my grandpa was a uh, kind of a stoic guy. In a way, he probably always felt a little bit out of place in our little Pentecostal church that uh, we grew up in. He loved God, believed in God, but in a church where Pentecostals did what Pentecostals do, uh, my grandpa was not demonstrative at all in his faith. He was a quiet man, but he had a deep faith in God. And when I was eight years old, my, my grandmother, his wife, died very young, really, by today's standards. She was probably not even 60, died suddenly. And it was a shock to all of us, and especially to him. And uh, I remember being at, his, at, at my grandmother's funeral. Her name was Grace, by the way. And we're sitting in that place where the family was supposed to be and uh, at the end, they had all of us stand and we stood. And of course, we sang Amazing Grace. And I looked up over at my grandpa with my little eight-year-old heart and brain. And I saw my grandfather do something he never did. And that is he had his hands lifted to God. And with tears streaming down his face, he sang the declaration of his faith. And I remember thinking, here's my grandpa 
in the most difficult moment of his life, facing something he never wanted to face. And yet in this moment, his faith is so real regardless. And I remember thinking, this has to be real. And it shaped my life. Listen, I want to encourage you to make sure that your roots go down deep in God. It's got to be a regardless faith. Help your children to develop that kind of faith. It's got to be a regardless faith that no matter if I get what I want or things don't go the way I hope they go, I'm going to serve you, God, no matter what. If we're going to have a faith that goes deeper for difficult times, it's going to not only be, need to be a closer faith, but it's got to be a regardless faith. And finally, it needs to be a forward future type of faith. A forward future type of faith. You know, there's a, a scripture that has become very popular uh, in the last, I would say, 20 years. You see it on a lot of, of coffee mugs and T-shirts and, and banners and themes of, of, of events. And it's a great scripture. It's one that's actually born out of those prophetic warnings that, that the prophet Jeremiah was giving to the children of Israel right before they went into exile. And God is so awesome in that even when he has to deliver bad news, as a prophet Jeremiah, who is called, by the way, the weeping prophet, he's giving this, this, this word of warning that says, hey, look, you are going into exile. And yet, even in that difficulty, God is already looking past that moment into the future, and he's giving them a promise. Yes, you're going to go through these 70 years. And that probably means you, that the ones that go into exile, are probably not going to come out. You're probably going to die there. Maybe your children, for sure, maybe your grandchildren will get to come back out. And he gives these promises that we know so well. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a future and a hope. You know, and we were, when we were young in Psychology 101, they were doing this nature-nurture debate. It said that, uh, uh, you know, I asked the question, are we more products of our genetic code from mom and dad, or are we more of a product of our environment? And, you know, they've been debating that for, for literally for generations, and they're still debating that. And I'm not going to try to wade into that, but I want to tell you that for the child of God, there's another aspect. We're not just products of our past. We're not just being shaped by nature and by nurture. We are actually products of our future because God was in our past. He's in our presence. He's going to be in our future and he's pulling us into that future. You know, Job had this really tough, tough life. Uh, as a kid growing up, I remember looking at the book of Job, and I, I thought it was the book of Job. I figured that was what you read to get a job. You know, I found out later that wasn't the case. But the, the, the difficulty about Job's life wasn't so much all the difficult things that he went through, but was that in the midst of all those, he was going through a crisis in his faith where he just had a difficult time figuring out and finding where God was in all of this difficulty. And in that moment, there's this word that comes to him in Job 36, 16, where, it's, where God says this, or it said this about God to Job. He said, he is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a place free from restriction to a spacious place that, and to the comfort of a table that is laden 
with choice food. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to this beautiful, spacious place, to this discomfort this, this of a table laden with good food. By the way, I, I learned that in the Hebrew, those words good food literally mean Reese's peanut butter cups. I didn't know that. Who knew? Makes perfect sense to me. He's wooing you. You know, that term wooing isn't something that, that we use a lot today. It's really kind of comes from our parents or our grandparents era. I was looking through my, my mom's scrapbook a while back with her before she died a couple years ago. And, and uh, I saw an old Valentine that she had and the word literally said, I pitch woo for you. And uh, I asked her at that moment, I said, Mom, tell me the story of how you and dad met. I know you were like in high school together, but how did that really happen? And she said, well, she said, your dad was dating some other girl and I had my eye on him and he was fine and I needed to get his attention. So I wrote him a little note and I stuffed it in his locker. And when he opened up his locker, the note fell out and he read it. And then he took me out. And we started dating. I said, wow. I said, tell me what was in that letter. Because I, I knew that, that whatever was on that note, I, like my future was dependent upon that. And she said, well, she said, I just wrote, when are you going to drop that dog faced girl and take me out? See what she was doing? She was wooing him. She was romancing him. She was pulling, she was flirting with him. She was pulling her to, pulling him to herself. And people, that's what God does with us. Listen, God is omnipotent in his power. He could force us into a relationship. He could require that of us. He could make us bend to his will. He could manipulate us to him, but he won't do that because he wants our love for him to be real. So he woos us to himself. He draws us to his heart. And out of that, we develop this faith that is deep and he pulls us into, he woos us into that future that he has for us. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know this, that for the people of God, it comes out of a faith that is close, close out of a faith that is regardless, and out of a faith that pulls us into our future. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we've had together in your word today. I thank you, God, that you have a faith for us just a lot deeper than what so much of the Western church is expressing. I thank you, God, that it is a faith that will get us through difficult times. I thank you that it's a faith that's close. It's not dependent upon things going our way. And it's one that understands that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you're pulling us into your forever. So Lord, for every person who is listening to this today, Father, I pray that you would meet them where they are and draw them to your heart so that in this hour, we can stay strong with you in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Well, thank you so much, Gary. Uh, thank you for being a part of our service today. Uh, we really appreciated uh, being able to hear from you and your story and, and just 
being able to learn from what God has done in your life. So my hope is that we won't just learn from it, though. This is not just an academic exercise. It's not just a, a time for us to go, what a neat story. I'm glad God's working in his life. God is bringing that story to us today because God wants to work in our lives as well. So my prayer is that you will receive what you receive today as encouragement, as hope, yes, but also as something that God wants you to grow as a result of. All right, well, we're about ready to, to sign off for today, but before we do, uh, I want to let you know about our connection card. Normally, we do these things in person at Canyon Ridge Church. We all fill them out, and, and uh, they give you a chance to communicate with the staff. Uh, here, I'll just let you know, if it applies to you, please fill one out. Uh, we're going to put the link down in the comments of this video. Uh, it should be posted right about now. Uh, and on that link is a chance for you to go to our website and just fill out a, a quick form telling us who you are and how to contact you. Um, but if it applies to you, meaning uh, if you have a prayer request, if you have comments you want us to know about the church, uh, if you want to speak with a pastor, if you want to speak with a counselor, uh, then we want to connect with you. And we won't know that unless you let us know. So that is a way that you can do that. Anytime you fill out a connection card, we receive all that information as a staff. And if there's prayer requests on it, our whole staff is praying for you and joining you in prayer. If there's a request to speak to someone like a pastor or a counselor, then we will have somebody follow up with you and uh, try to make an appointment to speak with you. Got to re return your phone calls, though, if, uh, if we do give you a call. So that is just an option for you to connect with us and let us know who you are and uh, how we can serve you. Uh, and this time when we want to reach out, we want to connect with you a little bit more to, uh, to help you feel connected in this time when connection won't happen unless we make it happen. Okay, well, it's been great being with you. I'm so grateful to have the time together that we did today to worship and hear from God's word and hear what he's doing because God is alive and well. Next week, we have a, another great speaker. You're going to be very excited to hear from the person we've got scheduled for next week. Watch your Facebook page this week. We'll let you know who it is, um, but it's going to be one you, you just don't want to miss. This is, if I could have you be here for, for one Sunday between now and the end of the summer, I'd say pick this one uh, just because I'm so excited about what you're going to hear about. Uh, there's a great story coming your way next week. Okay, until then, be safe. Grow with what God has planted in you this week. And we'll see you next Sunday.